0: VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linodecom slash adventures in Angular. Hey, everybody. We're live at Microsoft Connect. I'm here with uh, PJ Meyer. Meyer, and Chris Dias.
1: Oh, well said.
0: Nobody gets uh, that right. <laughs> I cheated. They said your name in the keynote. That's <laughs> true. Okay. Uh, well, and we've had you on the show a few yeah, times. Yep, so.
1: Yeah, it's been a while.
0: Yeah. It was like six months or something. No, I think it's, it's it year. was last year. It's yeah, because yeah. Yeah, uh, at Build, I think we talked to, now I have to remember names. Wade. Wade and Ramya. 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 So yeah, if you're if you're interested in what's changed over the last six months, go listen to that and then go listen to this. Now you did a demo at the keynote. I did, we did. We all yeah. did it together. And I was sitting there going, I need that. <laughs> so do you want to talk? Well, let's just dive right in. All right. Which, which part? Yeah, which part? It? Live sharing. Live collaborative editing and debugging. Yeah, now I did talk to Amanda Silver about two hours ago, and we kind of talked around it a little bit, but I wanted to dig in and just be like, "What is this thing?" Right? So,
1: sure, okay. Um, I think she's gonna have more information than I am. Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see what she said. Um, but okay, so let's see uh, where to start. I guess I could describe the demo.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All
1: right. So, um, so basically, the, the the premise is this, right? It's a lot of times where you'll go to somebody and say, hey, you know what, can you come over here and, and help me sort of debug this? Like, yeah, I understand what's going on with the debugger, but I don't understand why it doesn't work. And uh, it's great when somebody's sitting in the room and you can just call them over and you can sit side by side. Uh, but if they're not, then it really it's, it's it's pretty challenging, right? If you do screen sharing, you know, it's there's a lot of like, all right, do this, don't do that, you know, oh, wait, back up, oh, I didn't see that change because of latency and things like that. Uh, But at the end of the day, really what's happening in that scenario is the other person is looking and trying to understand your source code and then you're both stepping through the code and understanding what's going on, looking at variables and call stacks and things like that. Um, So what what Visual Studio Live Share really tries to do is collaborative editing and debugging. And I think it's the debugging part, which is really Mm -hmm. the the sort of killer aspect to the the whole experience um, so what we did today was basically, you know, I have a node application that's running on my machine on a Mac in VS code and on another machine, which has visual studio doesn't have node, doesn't have my workspace. Right. Um, I basically created a, or provided a connection to that workspace on my machine, gave it to Amanda and she was able to connect to it with, with visual studio. Um, and what's cool about that, and actually when we, when we started preparing the demo and we, we trimmed it back a little bit, what we originally did is we did uh, debugging of a node application running in a Docker container. Mm-hmm. And that's even more things that weren't on her right. machine. But she got all the context of everything that was right. running on my machine. And um, just at that point then she's able to sort of inspect all the variables, step, do everything that she needs to do uh, to understand what's going on without that, hey, can you do this, can you do that, type of of back and forth that goes on and i think the other interesting thing for me with this scenario when you when you look at like developer productivity features um there's usually this this moment where you go oh i get it and Mm -hmm. if i don't have that i'm going to be very angry right because it's like don't take away my thing and um you know like like for me, like coding without IntelliSense is almost you might as well just close my eyes and start typing. <laughs> um, so literally two or three weeks ago, as we were putting all these these parts of the demo together and trying to figure out the right flow. Um, you know, I was originally working on sort of most of the, the Azure things and we were trying to incorporate the the collaborative side of things, and I was running into an issue with a Docker extension. Mm-hmm. And I was in a bit of a panic, and we had a sort of a Monday morning team call. Half the folks are in, in Switzerland, and the other half are in Redmond. And I said, is there anybody that can help me? I, I, I'm getting this exception that's getting thrown. I can't, there's no call stack, all this crazy stuff. And one of the guys in Switzerland said, yeah, we'll stay on the call after, and we'll, we'll, we'll debug it. And we got on the call, and it was this, like, okay, wait, go back to that file again? You just closed it. All right, no, stop, hold right there. All right, Stop. Step, the bug, step, step, step over. And I'm just like, and it's just lag. And it was this painful, painful, yeah. painful experience. And I'm like, I've oh my there. God, <laughs> if I just had this thing that we're building, you know, to, to demo and do the scenario and all stuff, like uh-huh. that would not have been a problem. Right. And it was right there, like the sort of the light bulb went off for me. I was like, okay, yeah, let's, 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 this is the thing. So for me, that's kind of like the 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 magical part of it. And I, I I do honestly believe it's kind of the next step in the evolution of developer productivity. And I really, really believe it that it's it's the debugging part. And um I think if you saw any of the well, actually they're going on right now, but other breakout sessions, there's a ton more things that are being shared uh mm-hmm. that we can we can sort of do between machines which are all about that context and letting other people sort of investigate what's on your machine without having to create that environment. And that's the cool thing about it for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I've used, I can't even remember, but there's, there's a program out there that you can share your screen on and it's free if it's non-commercial use, which I was like, whoa, what's the point? And, you know, everybody's yeah. going to use this for commercial use. Um, and then I've used like TMUX and so you both shell into the same machine yep. and you share a session that way. And yeah, I'm just sitting there going, well, she just opened it up and the editor of her choice with right. her plugins loaded and you know, you could do the step debugging and she could see what you were looking at but she could also interact in whatever way she does. So you have Emacs bindings installed. She doesn't. It's exactly. no big deal. Yep. You know, it's like, oh, wow, I can get help from anybody, right? Yep. As long as they have this program and they were willing to connect to the service.
1: Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, is like, you know, there's a lot of context breakdown that you have to do. Like, if I said, here, go clone this repo, like, all the stuff that you're working on, you basically have to stash it, put it somewhere else, do all this other work, and it's a huge context. Check switch. out
0: the branch. Yeah. Install right. Node.
1: Yeah, exactly. And in this case, I mean, there's still a context and, switch from what you're working on, but there's no context switch on the workspace that you have yeah. to go and, and create and install and get to that place. And that's yeah. pretty powerful too.
0: Yeah. That that's totally true. Yeah. You go install Node, npm install. Okay, I can help you in an hour. You know. I mean? yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's it's just it was just amazing. I mean, I'm just looking at it and going. Every time I think they can't come up with another cool feature for Visual Studio yeah, yeah, Code. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, so, uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to
1: having it come out because like, I just want to dog food it. I just want to start using it. So. Yeah. Um, it's, when, when
0: does it come out? Because it looks like, and I kind of got the impression from Amanda that it wasn't quite publicly available. No, right now you can sign up um,
1: for access to the preview when it becomes available. I don't know what the time frame is on the preview. Do you? Early 2018 early 2018
0: tomorrow or will people watch the people watch the keynote and then gouge their eyes out because they want it today
1: (laughs) it's a good thing and a bad thing yeah (laughs)
0: um no but i think people should definitely go and
1: and sign up and then it's you know this this world this model where it's kind of like just get a few people do experiments get the Mm -hmm. feedback on it instead of trying to come up with the big thing. And having the big release, right? Like is what we've done in the past with Visual Studio, right? We've now got La, uh, and people are like, yeah. How many people have just been on that? They eh, don't quite have that right, right? So it it generally works out better to have these sort of slower rollouts and bring people on and get feedback on it. So I think it's the right model, um, and I think it's a good time to sort of get people jazzed about yeah. it. Uh, so, but it is a long time away. It's the holiday season though, so you know, it's yeah. a few days off in between. It's like a Christmas present.
0: <laughs> there you go. Or a holiday present. Nice. Um so it seems like we we talk, you know, once a year or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, all right, what's up with Visual Studio now? So what's up with Visual Studio now? Like what 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 else are we seeing that's happened over the last year that people are excited about?
1: Oh God. I mean the biggest thing for VS Code is that we finally released support for multiple multi the multi, multi-root workspaces. And so this is the ability to have um, multiple top-level root nodes open at the same time. Previously, you had to have multiple windows or multiple instances of VS Code open, mm-hmm. which is good, but then you have to do window management, which is kind of a pain. Um, and we've actually been this is the, the the biggest open feature request that we've had for the longest time, and it took us a very long time to sort of land it. It's about five months, I think it's been available in some form in the insider's release of VS Code. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it it's pretty close. We considered releasing it or turning it on in stable a month back, but we wanted to have a concerted push to get sort of the top extensions um, updated to support multi-root workspaces. And so the past month, that's a lot of what we did, was really just sort of, we reached out to all the top extensions, sort of almost handheld people, like, hey, can we make a pull request, get it up and and mm-hmm. you yeah. know, uh, it was pretty cool to watch because there was a bunch of a bunch of extensions like, yeah, we'll just, we'll get that done today, we'll push out a release, you know, next week or something like that. And mm-hmm. so people jumped on it very, very quickly. Uh, but that's been the biggest thing that that sort of has been uh, released over the past couple of months. Um, there's other things that c- came out like in the last milestone, you know, the ability to move the, the panel that's been at the bottom, which is, is horizontal, you can make that vertical now. So if you've got a wide screen, mm-hmm. you can toggle it, move that around. You can move things around in that itself so
2: that you don't have to fix positions anymore. Um, what else, what else, Paige? Uh, language support. Um, so the we released the Python extension Beginning of October, I think uh, we released a Java debugger. Hmm. Um, So we're going to. It's sort of uh, what you said. We come together once a year and talk about what's new. We we sort of did the same thing as a team um, as we were coming up to Connect, and we we had put together a a blog post of like what's been going on in the past Mm -hmm. year. Um, And uh, every every month, just so much comes out that it ended up being quite a long uh, quite a long blog post. But uh, Live Share, um, one thing that uh, we didn't get to show in the keynote today um, was debugging inside a container um, using Docker Compose. Um, so, and th- and that was something that uh, mm-hmm. we were also going to show uh, over Visual Studio Live Share. Mm-hmm. So, being able to debug on a, d- a different editor in a different machine on a different OS from inside a Docker container.
0: Wait,
1: run that by me again. <laughs> so- so today what we demoed was node running on my machine on a Mac. right. Amanda didn't have node installed on her machine. What we were going to do in the, in the demo was actually run and debug a Docker container running on my machine, running a node app mm-hmm. from Amanda's machine, which didn't have Docker or node or anything. Oh else wow. Running it. yeah, yeah, so it was just a sort of another mm-hmm. layer in the whole mix. Mm-hmm. just to kind of make the point like it's, it's really the, the shared debug session. It's not running stuff over there. And really the only reason we took it out was just a matter of time. right? right. Just, it's just one more thing that you have to sort of explain what's going on. But uh, it's pretty cool. It works like a champ. It was wild. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, and I love all the Docker integrations that come in Visual Studio Code. I mean, Docker is, I mean, it's, it's simple in concept, you know, as far as what it does and sort of how it works. But then actually getting things set up in it, I mean, I still see people tripping over it all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah it's an art form to the Docker file. Yeah. It's
2: funny, actually, in, in uh, r- the run-up to the keynote and, and practicing, trying to get the demo configured, uh, I've used Docker for a while outside of VS Code, and we're trying to get things things set up and resetting, and I keep typing out these you know long commands in the terminal, and at the same time, Chris is like, why can't you just click that button in VS Code? That would have yeah. done all of that. hmm Oh, actually, I really should spend more time with the Docker <laughs> extension. Yes, yeah, You should. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it's but it's that kind of stuff, right? It's this stuff is easily automatable. It's something you do a lot of the time when you're using Docker, yeah. and it just okay. Well, plug in, plug in, plug in, plug in, go. You know, it just puts all those pieces together for you. And
1: yeah, the cool thing I think, like the cool thing. The cool latest thing that I would love to be able to figure out how to do in the Docker extension is this notion of uh, multi stage build Docker files. Have you mm-hmm. played with those yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, blow your mind out of the water. Like, <laughs> first, Docker, you're like, really? Okay, and then you get it. You're like, okay, oh, yeah, this is awesome. But basically, with a multi stage uh, Docker file, what you can do is define basically what, what happens in different layers of the build process. So, mm-hmm. what you can do is, for example, In your first layer, you can do a development build of your output. Right. And then you save that off into some named thing. And then in your second layer, you install all of your production dependencies. Mm -hmm. And then you save that off. And then your third layer, you combine those two things together. And so you can automate the build process that uses development resources all in one big step. And so it's a little bit hard to say, okay, the, the Docker extension can just figure out that you need to do that, so it's a out or anything like mm-hmm. that. But um, that's actually, I think, one of the one of the pretty cool things that's coming along there that we want to add in. Nice. Um, but before we, we... I could spend all day talking about Docker. Um, but a couple other things <laughs> I, I thought about as far as new things that have come out uh, with VS Code uh, over the past year. It, there's another thing... This was in the blog post, I think, as well. But... Um, You know, I mentioned this this morning, the the plain JavaScript experience in VS Code is actually driven by the TypeScript compiler. Yes. And um, so you get all the goodness of TypeScript. And if you're doing TypeScript as well, you get all that goodness. But what we're seeing now is a lot of quick fixes and refactorings coming out of the TypeScript compiler that we can then start to leverage in VS Code. We're starting to see more and more of those things come online, which is very cool. Um, What else? What else?
0: One thing that you also showed off in the keynote and when you mentioned that you can have two top level folders is kind of what brought it to mind cuz it's what it looked like but serverless is taking off and you showed that you can deploy functions to Azure functions you know and they're not part of your app i mean they're part of the wider environment but a lot of times we, we build out pieces in yeah. in services and then you have things like microservices that run in azure functions that are essentially just snippets of code that script along and connect infrastructure yep and yeah you just wrote it up spun it up it was it was gone and if you've ever tried like azure functions is fairly uh, approachable But I've done stuff with like AWS Lambdas and trying to get all of the right permissions set up and all of that garbage. And then did it actually run and then debugging the thing? Oh, my gosh. I mean, what a royal pain. And you can spin them up out of Visual Studio Code and debug the freaking things. I was just like, oh, man. That would have saved me. Hours that was of another, my life. That was another thing that we had to trim down
1: from the demo today, just purely from time. There's more. This that is, makes so me happy. This
2: is going to become like the director's cut of the. <laughs> this is the director's <laughs> cut of the demo. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. There's
1: other things that I wanted to put in the demo, but yeah. we had to trim it down for time. Uh, but with the Azure Function extension, there's a button in there, you just click on it. It says New Function. Where do you want to put it? But then it says, What's the trigger? Right. And uh-huh. the most basic one is just an HTTP trigger. Right? It's just. Yeah, that's pretty it, common. Yeah. So boom, put that scaffolds it out, breakpoint F five, click on the link. You you've got your function. It's like thirty seconds. Thirty seconds we couldn't do in the demo, but still. Yeah. Uh, but the, the the ease of getting up and running and and again, it's the debugging of it locally on your machine is just mm-hmm. just mind blowing to be able to do that. The thing that that was really, and, but that's sort of easy, right? With the HTTP trigger, right? it's mm-hmm. just localhost whatever. Yeah. Um, the thing we tried, and I don't know how well it came across at the end of the day in the demo that we did today, but the the trigger on the function that we ran yeah. was a Cosmos DB database trigger. Mm-hmm. And that Cosmos DB is in the cloud, right. And that database in the cloud changed, and the function ran on my machine.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So that was just that's awesome. That's, that's what happened. So when, when people tweeted about it, we updated the database in the cloud. Running a service, and we were running the function locally, uh-huh. and it's literally the exact same runtime that runs up in the cloud. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So that's it's kind of mind blowing. Like, wh- and what? It's, and it's
2: a special, you know, link between between Cosmos DB and Azure Functions, where you, you can you basically just say you want to use this Cosmos DB trigger, and whenever data changes in the cloud, the function will get run. Yeah. Without any sort of extra configuration on your part. Which um, amazing.
1: Very cool. Very cool stuff. So you can you can very easily create new functions and configure them however you want to trigger it to to be fired. And then um, from a de- if you need to you can debug them locally and you can debug them locally. Um, and then to deploy it, basically it's a right click and um, there's a number of ways to set up deployment. The most simplistic way is is we zip the thing up mm-hmm. and we just upload it to the function. Um, it gets unpacked up there through the API and the function, and then that's it.
0: It's running. Yeah, I think that's how serverless does it. Yeah, yeah. On a lot of those systems, is it unpacks it to like S3 or you know storage on Azure and then yeah, storage on Azure. Yep, yep, yep. And then it and then it scoots it over. It says this is code. <laughs> yep,
1: Yeah, Exactly. Um, so it's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool cool extension. There's actually quite a few uh, functions for Azure that have sort of blossomed and come online in the past three or four months. So the Azure Functions one, app service, uh the Cosmos DB one which we showed today, let's you one thing we didn't get to show today is that you know we were actually publishing uh the sentiment data to uh a graph
0: in Cosmos DB. and in VS Code A graph like like you generally think of graph data. So yes. it's not just a document database then.
1: No, it's a graph data with vertices and, and edges and all that goodness. Oh nice. Yeah. So we basically take the tweets and the sentiment and the, the uh, hotel and we publish it up into a graph database. Mm-hmm. And with the, the Cosmos DB extension, you can drill into your collection and basically run a gremlin query right in the tool and you get a nice graph visualization of it. Um, it's still pretty early, but you know, mm-hmm. the idea is that you can sort of iterate you know, what we call the inner loop on the gremlin queries that you're gonna write in your code Right there until the okay, that thing looks good. I kind of drill around, blah, 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 and I get that. I can just go paste it back into my app. Um, but We had to cut that because of time. So the, we had to cut that because of time episode. <laughs> um, so that one has come out. Um, there's an Azure CLI extension which will give you a rich IntelliSense experience, which you're writing Azure CLI commands. Um, Did I cover them all? Of course the Docker extension. The Docker extension one's interesting um, because it will light up if you have the Azure account extension installed on your machine. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the Azure Account or any other Azure extensions, you don't get any Azure stuff. Right? right. Um if you're not doing Azure and you're just doing Docker, then you don't need to see all that.
2: Right. So the the fact that Chris is able to go into the Docker extension and right-click on an image and say deploy to app service. That's because he had Docker and the Azure extension right. installed. Yeah. Otherwise, it just it wouldn't be there and it works like Docker.
1: Yep. Um, the other cool thing, so all these extensions share this single, we call it an, the Azure account extension. And basically, if you log in your subscription, and you do the, the device login dance. And then all the other so, uh, um, extensions just basically ask this one Uh, extension for all your subscription information. Mm -hmm. So there's not multiple logins all over the place, right? It's one single uh, experience. But the other cool thing about that is extension, if you've seen this in the Azure portal, um, where there's the cloud console Mm -hmm. where basically you can spin up a console in Azure, have full access to the CLI, it's mounted storage, you can persist files there. But you can do the same thing directly in VS code. So you say open up a cloud console, the terminal window opens up, and it's actually connected to your Azure instance subscription. So that's a pretty wild thing to go in. Because all of a sudden you're like, you're working. It's like SSHing, but it's not, right? You're like, okay, but there is a container running up there. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is the most mind-blowing thing. Because of the the simplicity of the extensibility model of VS Code, it's really just doing standard in standard out piping of what's coming back and forth over the wire for the Mm -hmm. Cloud console. And it just worked. It's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So cool stuff that's coming out there. Um, what else has come out in the tool?
0: I have another thing I want to ask. About. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, there was a whole bunch of talk about AI right at the end, you know, that last section of the keynote, and it sounded like there were a bunch of AI tools for Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code. So this
1: was the Azure Databricks section. Or was yeah. the, or was it the AI keynote that Seth did? Was it, it was
0: the AI keynote that Seth did? Okay. Yeah, they they they. I mean, they did the Databricks, and that yep. looked really freaking cool. That is pretty cool. That was the first time I saw that. But um, yeah, it sounded like there were some other AI tools that were in and were coming to Visual Studio. Maybe I misunderstood that. Uh, I mean, some of it's in Azure, and I'm assuming you. Poke it from Visual Studio. I don't know.
1: We read cats as telly.
2: No, actually, I, I didn't see that part of the and the you've AI. You stole my you stole my pick, but I guess the, one of the nice things about how easy it is to extend VS Code is that a lot of the extensions that are built from VS Code aren't built by the VS Code team themselves. They're from teams all across Microsoft.
1: No, but I'm thinking about like the um, the Jupyter Notebook extension for VS Code. Mm. Uh, where basically you can write, you know, your Python code, and on the right-hand side you get this really cool visualization, sort of mm-hmm. live. Um, and I do know that the like, I think you you said that you know we released the, oh, that was the Java debugger that you're talking about. But uh, the Python tools uh, have been um, updated, and there's there's I'm sure that they're doing work there as well, but. I guess I'm, I'm a little bit uneducated in this space. I can't no, answer no, that it's, question. It's, it's I totally bad. fine.
0: <laughs> so so what, are you, what are you working on now? What's, what's coming up in Visual Studio Code? Um, let's see. So so like I said, we had this big push with Belt to Root
1: Workspace, and we're kind of closing into the end of the calendar here. So the next milestone is kind of a, just a, uh, a feature, you know, for the most part, a featureless milestone. Um, and it'll span, you know, November and December time frame and it really focus on, you know, debt bug fixing, performance, things like that. Um, and from there, um, gosh, what is on the roadmap? There are so many things. <laughs>
0: you
1: can go to GitHub and check. I mean we published say, it all up on GitHub.
0: If if only we had a, a small device that was portable that Could connect to the internet and tell us these things. As a developer, you love building things that are fun and that matter. Do you want to add authentication to yet another app? Do you want to stay updated with all the security issues and patch them? Why not leave that to the experts? Auth0 is the easiest and fastest way to implement real world authentication and authorization architectures into your apps and APIs. You can allow your users to log in with either regular username and password, social identity providers like Facebook and Twitter, or enterprise identity providers like Active Directory, Office 365, or without passwords, with an email login like Slack or phone login like WhatsApp. Getting started is very easy. Add authentication to your Angular 1 or 2 Plus or Ionic app in less than 10 minutes by writing only a few lines of code. No credit card required. Get the free plan. Or try the Enterprise Plan for 21 days at Auth0.io slash Adventures in Angular. That's Auth0 with the number zero. Auth0 is trusted by developers at Atlassian, Mozilla, Bluetooth, Optimizely, Financial Times, and the Wall Street Journal. Try it out at Auth0.io slash Adventures in Angular. That's the number zero in Auth0. And get back time building core features.
1: Okay. Yeah. Now I remember. Sorry. Um. Let's see. So over the next six months or so, uh, what we're really focused on, like I said earlier, which is we're starting right now, is like performance,
0: memory usage, uh, dead code, startup performance. Um, and can, can I stop you real quick? Because yeah. you're talking a lot about performance, but are people actually having performance issues with Visual Studio Code? Um, or is this just, we just want to make it better because we want to make it better? So in general,
1: we want it to be better. And... and and yes, there are some performance issues on Windows. So I'll go on both sides of that. So, you, you know, an editor is not a very, uh, it's the worst word I could come up with, but it's the most accurate, which is like a sticky tool. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like if you um, were patient enough with us and you tried OBS code a couple of times, and you finally got to the point where you, you liked it and you came right. over. You going back to another tool is as easy as you coming to the tool. Right. And one of the key value propositions of VS Code is the fact that it's, it's fast. Mm-hmm. So we feel like if we don't keep on top of that, then it's easy for us to lose the folks that easily came to us because they didn't like the performance of something else. Right. right? So that's one major, major driver of our work in fundamentals and performance. And the other uh, driver of it is that um, what we see when I when we look at our telemetry data is that um, startup performance on Windows is increasingly regressed.
0: Right? Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, as compared to other platforms. And we did a big fix, um, actually, just uh, just a few just before this release, where we we oh my god. Eighty percent of the time back from the past six or eight months, which was which was awesome, um, but so we we track it across all three platforms. We want we want to make sure that you know everybody on every platform is having uh, a great experience, and it, it's throughout the entire stack. So we look, we work with the Electron folks, you know, in our own source code control. Uh, you know, we work with the, the Windows Defender guys to make sure that we're not getting flagged incorrectly and, and impacting startup that way. We look at our setup performance, things like that. So, so, we're not getting a ton of feedback that says, oh, you're getting slow. We do get feedback that says you're not as fast as, say, sublime, mm-hmm. we're like, okay. Um, but we don't want to have that be a thing that stops people from coming right. from VS Code. So, we take it very seriously. So that's the mm-hmm. the performance thing.
0: Sorry I derailed you, but
1: No no no. Good. It's it's a it's a great question. And from you hearing what I was saying, I think it's a it's a very valid question. Like, wait a minute, what what's the problem? Yeah. Uh, so you, you kinda want to stem it before it actually happens. So that's one of the big things that we're 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 investing in. And it's it's a costly thing, right? Because you have to chase it down and mm-hmm. you chip away at it oh, I'm a percentage sure. at a time. So that's one thing. Uh do we talk about TypeScript? and refactorings and all that stuff. So as TypeScript sort of, so we just, didn't we talk about this, sorry. Um, So what we expect from the TypeScript compiler, which drives the the JavaScript language service and obviously TypeScript Mm -hmm. is more uh, refactorings and more quick fixes and things like that. Oh, right. Yeah, so we're gonna bring those. So we basically surface those back up in the tool, which is very cool. Um, From a UI perspective, I talked about this before, we go horizontal vertical layout of the pane at the bottom, Mm -hmm. and you can move the tabs around. We get a lot of requests from people about the ability to do more uh, management of the editor layout inside VS Code, so they Uh want to be horizontal and vertical at the same time. Uh, So that's another big thing. Our notification system, which um, irritates you when it irritates you, and other Mm -hmm. times it's, it's nicely... Off the distance, but we see we get irritated by it, right? right. Like you get a, a an extension, a rogue extension that decides that every time it updates itself, it has to ask you if you want to read a blog post about what happened, and you're like, <laughs> no, right? And there's 18 buttons. Like, yeah. So um, we think that the notification system has has reached its point of scalability. So we want to go and sort of overhaul that and have something that lets us accomplish the things that we do with the notification system, like, hey, there's a new update, go get it, because that's good for us, and we think it's good for you. But also lets us hide the, hey, go look at 15 pages of release notes right now, right? which doesn't (laughs) have to happen right now. Um, So there's a lot of that that's going on. Um, Let's see, source code control. Actually, we just did a lot of source code control stuff that we... Uh, had talked about earlier. This is one of the cool things that we didn't get to demo at all, even though I wanted to in the in the demo today. Um, in the last milestone, um, source code control status is actually displayed in the Explorer view. Mm-hmm. And so you'll uh, nodes will be turned different colors. So if you made a change or add, yeah. and you get the little glyph that you see in the, in the viewlet. Uh-huh. But what's also cool is in the editor itself, there's change bars on the left side of the editor mm-hmm. to the right side of the numbers. Um, if you hover over that, it'll actually expand, and if you click on it now, it'll actually show you in line in your editor the diffs. Oh, nice! And you can stage it right from there, or you can undo it right from mm-hmm. there. And then once you click on the stage, it'll actually bring you to the next diff in right. your file where you can sort of just you know partially stage things right across. So you don't have to go over to the Source grid Control to do that. So that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool update. Um, we're doing a lot of work on extension recommendations, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, at, at, there's the core of VS Code. We want to keep at the core. And then if you're doing Python, then you get the Python extension. Right. And today we do recommendations really based on the files that you opened, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it has, it has pros and cons, right? Like, like one of the things, we just fixed this, but the, I, the, the problem is this. Like you may have clicked on a Python file three months ago, it was a mistake. You don't do Python. Right. You're just browsing around. You're going to get prompted to install the Python as a, you know, a recommended extension every time. And it's going to be right at the top because <laughs> it's a highly used extension. Right. And so what we want to do is sort of decay things over time. We want to provide the ability to, to show you why we recommended the extension. Right. We want to do things like, hey, you know what? You um, uh, you know, you use this extension and other people that use that extension also have these three other ones. It's right. like going to Amazon. like People also shopped for Yeah, yep. and Because it's that, that sort of what are your friends using thing, which is mm-hmm. really a good recommendation versus we decided. Um, but your friends' rec- recommendations are way better than us picking a file type. So uh-huh. lots of work there to, to improve um, right. extension recommendations. Anyways, so that's, that's sort of things off the top of my head. But... As we were talking about before, uh, we published the roadmap and the wiki uh, in GitHub. So everything that we're planning on doing is up there. Um, we just, like I said, published the the, the longer term roadmap, which covers a lot of things that we talked about. Um, and then on every milestone, again, we do our iteration planning where we publish all of what we're going to do in, in that time frame. So continuing to you know drop a lot of cool new features.
0: Nice. Yeah. One thing that I, I wonder about a little bit is. Um, just getting the word out about code. I mean, is it mostly word of mouth, or is Microsoft kind of, it you know, besides out, the keynotes, pushing the word out much?
1: Uh, it it turns out it is mostly word of mouth
2: and virtual word of mouth on social media.
1: Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, like like, um, you know, you, you get somebody that that you see it on on Twitter. They convert over to code. They get a bunch of followers, and then all of a sudden you see this nice little progression after that. And so you know we try to to be active on Twitter, and and, and if we see people coming online, we kind of just just help them out. But we think that's the best way that that people will actually go and adopt it. I think mean, it's you that said this, right? It's like somebody's got to see it two, three, four times before they're actually going to use it. So we just try to get the yeah. word out as much as possible. Um, and we use sort of the the Microsoft events, which which really the the you know the the thing about VS Code is that it's trying to sort of create a connection with developers that Microsoft traditionally can't talk to. Mm-hmm. So, Connect event may not be something that developers that we want to actually reach out to actually pay attention to. Right. But when we do have an event like this, we try to you know get the message out. We mm-hmm. use that 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 it's a pretty big pipeline to developers that we, we reach with the Connect event. So we'll yep. partipi- participate in that. But we really think the viral nature of it is the best way to go and get people to um, sort of learn about it and then start to adopt it.
0: Yeah, that's something that Richard Campbell said uh, last night when we were chatting. He's like, he's like, uh, you know, people like he and Carl are already talking to the Microsoft folks and they're the people who are paying attention to the keynotes and getting excited about the announcements and stuff like that. And then he said that the reason they bring in people like us, you know, JavaScript Jabber, some of the other shows that are here, is because we don't reach that core group, yeah. right? Yep. And so it's that it's that same outreach, right? It's somebody that people are listening to or paying attention to, not because of Microsoft, but because of something else. And yeah, Visual Studio Code comes up. Hey, this tool does these things that make my life better. And so they go try it out.
1: Yeah. It's like one of the reasons why we have like code.visualstudio.com versus us being a part of the larger Microsoft right. visual Studio.com because we try to sort of drive you know people doing searches and stuff to go there and not as part of the, the major Microsoft landing pages um, but yeah to so try to get around and outside of where we traditionally talk yeah. to people uh, but again that's the goal it's like like how can we break down the barriers um, and just raise awareness so a lot of people that, like Microsoft's not relevant yeah right? and so we figure, well, we've got a tool that's pretty cool. You know, we think it's going to improve your development experience, and then maybe at that point, Microsoft becomes relevant in the mm-hmm. next thing that they go and look at. Right, and that's what's good for us. And quite honestly, if they just get a great tool out of it, um, but they recognize us and or Microsoft as being, uh, you know, positive contributors to the community of development right. tools, then that's just generally good mm-hmm. for everybody, right? Like, yep. Yeah, you know, nobody wants to be ignored or not liked. Um, that's one aspect of it, but I think a better aspect, the way that we think about it, is we just want to contribute into that community. And if if people want to do something else, that's great. If not, then we feel good because we were able to contribute something back to the developer community, which we were mm-hmm. all a part of. Right. So, it's my very deep.
0: <laughs> so, but that's the truth, right? So it's yeah. you know. Do you have numbers as far as adoption goes or anything like that?
2: Uh, yeah, so in in our uh, blog post that uh, for this event, um, we shared that uh, the number of people using VS Code in the month of November was about 2.6 million.
0: Oh wow. It's nothing to scoff so, at. Uh,
2: yeah, so so quite a quite a pop over the course of the two and a half years that we've been public. We've been open, open source. source. We've been open source for 2 years. Yeah, today. we keep doing the math wrong today, yeah.
1: don't we? <laughs> <laughs> but we were in... It's so the third connect.
2: There's a public beta before...
1: Yeah, the source so this is the third connect, but so the the one three years ago, or it's actually two years ago, yeah. is where we went open source, but it's the third connect since then, so we keep... We've been up too late <laughs> <laughs> working on demos. Our math is a little rusty. Yeah. So, yeah, so pretty good numbers. Yeah, and We're absolutely. happy with it,
0: but there's more more to do. Yeah. So how how much growth is that month month over month?
1: Uh how many months is that?
2: You I'm do sorry. the math. Chris just talked about us not being able to 2 and 3 years ago, so okay. I think this that math question. is... <laughs> let me
0: get the calculator. Right. I'm just wondering, you know, do you see it accelerating now or yeah. has it been pretty steady? It's been um it's been pretty steady we, we we see you know
1: trends over right. time, like initially, we saw lots of people try the tool, but there was lots of missing features, and then we've seen them sort of come back. We've seen little bumps when we have these uh, types of events we see holiday lulls, things mm-hmm. like that. but in general, it's been a, a fairly good progression up there's no There's no magical spike or anything like that, right. but it's just solid, steady growth, which is I think good right. Uh-huh. There was no like one big thing we did and then that's it. Right. So and I think it's also
2: it's it's good, I think, motivation to make sure that every month when a new stable release comes out that we have a lot of things to talk about so we can stay, stay in that conversation and have people share, share tweets about what new feature they just discovered, whether it was a feature that just came out or a feature that maybe had been out for a while, but right. they just discovered it or rediscovered it. There's a lot of times that happens where there's there's now so much. Um, there in the editor, that people that work at Microsoft we work with every day. You know, Command Chris, D, yeah, Chris' favorite. <laughs> that's I, I think that's how that made that in the demo so strongly. <laughs> it was because he was just doing that casually, and all of us were like, "Wait, I didn't know you could do that that way." Yes. You just select and keep selecting yep. with Command
1: but like like I said it earlier, really, it's you know there's there's growth, but because an editor is not necessarily sticky. Right. You've got to continue to sort of be open, deliver features and show progress and people will stay engaged. If it becomes stale, people are going to go, all right, this is a dead end for me. Where else am I going to go? Right. So there's a lot of just that, that, that grind that we do, but it's
0: it's necessary. Right. It pays off. So what do you envision Visual Studio Code becoming? It seems like, you know, there's a steady progression you keep adding in tools that make it easier to write code do you think you'll ever run out of things like that that make it easier to write code or you know maybe it'll evolve into something else or i, I don't know
1: no i think i think um i mean i think we'll we'll continue to try to innovate on developer productivity uh, like we've, we've we're trying to do with the collaborative um editing and development experiences mm-hmm. i think that um you know, it's interesting because it's an editor, you want that core to be so lean and right. mean, which is like add yeah. more stuff is more code, which you, know, so you get what right. that trade-off mm-hmm. is. So I think over time you'll see more and more of our activity will be in the extensions that right. are around it. And innate, like like we're, we just put a whole ton of activity or, or effort into... Bootstrapping a bunch of Azure extensions, like, and if you don't use Azure, you can use some other platforms. It's fine, but man, if you do, there's a lot of great functionality that's there. Right. Um, and what we try to do is we say, okay, what do we need, and we, and from all these extensions, and are there common things that we could do in the platform itself that would benefit every extension? And if there are, we go and we we add that. So like you see, like mm-hmm. these sashes where you can contribute things to the Explorer. Well, that's just generally good for for everybody, right. um, so we try to push things down that are, are good for everybody. But, yeah, I don't know, um, I mean, there's just such a long backlog of, of things to do, key bindings, and
0: <laughs>
1: you could do those forever, um, that I don't feel like we're gonna run of anything soon, but I do think we'll see more effort or focus on, on uh, extensions, collaboration, I think that that outside of VS Code, I think that there is a a model of of you know there's a there's a bridge between sort of cloud tools and client tools, which I think hasn't been met. Yet. Like like we started out VS Code as this thing, Visual Studio Online Monaco, right? right? It was browser based thing. Yeah. Um, and it's big problem is the fact that you had to do everything in the browser. There was no right. You see lots of those tools kind of come and gone, browser-based tools. Yep. And everybody's doing stuff on the client, but there still feels like there's a, a model here where you know you can spin up. We saw a little bit of this today with uh, the Azure Container Service development experience in Connect, where it's basically you're developing against a container that's running up in Kubernetes. It's running in an environment uh-huh. you can spin one up very easily, and then you can connect to it. And sort of you, you kind of work with it like it is local. But when you're hitting F5, you're actually running it up in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And the big thing for for that is that that environment can easily be spun up in the cloud and not easily spun up on your machine. Right. And so, for me, I think a lot of if we think about developer developer productivity and specifically cloud development is going to be along those lines. So, if you back all the way up from VS Code, then you can imagine that. There are extensions which enable that, which we saw today, some pretty lightweight extensions. But if there are things that are in the tool that can be brought down that enable that experience, then we'll do that. Like a little bit like the cloud console. Did we talk about that? Mm-hmm. Um, the cloud console, which is basically a connected experience up to the right. cloud. Are there more of those things that we can do? Um, you know, so so tons and tons of opportunity.
0: Uh, it's interesting that you talk about it in that way, though, with the cloud, um, I was having a conversation between recordings with the guys from the Saturday morning Linux review and one of them basically pointed out that the operating system is becoming less and less relevant because really essentially all your data and everything else is in the cloud. Yep. And so um, it's different from the view of the browser-based um, code editor in the sense that you know, they, they kind of have to work around not having a file system and things like that. Whereas this approach is, hey, look, um, you know, do your coding where you you know where you live, but at the end of the day, you know, you have the cloud as a resource and it's a seamless yep. reach. Yep. And so, you know, I, I it, it's interesting how the cloud can become more and more relevant. Yeah, and the standard development practice and the
1: productivity things change a little bit, right? Because yeah, I can type fast and, and all that stuff, but uh-huh. there's all this other stuff that you have to do around it. That if you can eliminate that, then yeah. that is another way of in,
0: in increasing developer productivity. Yeah, yeah. You right. get these things out of my way so that yeah. I can just be the coder. I don't have to be the DevOps guy and the yep yep you know the stand up the Docker guy and all that stuff.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yep.
0: Interesting. Very cool. So I'm kind of curious, and I think we have a few more minutes. So as you prepare for these keynotes, it, you know, I know that they're rehearsed and you know, that, that you have pretty specific things you want to show off, but what's kind of the process for that? I'm I'm just curious, you know, you see the big productions that are put on at Build or at uh, you know, WWDC or whenever there's a big announcement from, you know, some big tech company. I mean, what's the process that Microsoft goes through? They decide what they want to showcase, who they want to showcase it. Practice, practice, practice.
1: So let's see. It's, just, it's just, there's so many ways or things to talk about here. Let me figure out how to get started. So I would say that there are. Well, I can I can speak mostly of, like the demo that we do mm-hmm. here, which is it's a very, end to end hands on. It's all live. Right. right. There is no faking. Yes, something goes wrong. We have plan B, but the whole goal is everything is live. And everything that we did today was completely live. Um, the story, yes, we go, okay, we're going to do this, this, this. So right. we tell it all. But that, like, like, like distilling down, like we want to talk about serverless. We want to talk about this, that, the other thing, what's great for no developers, non-Microsoft, blah, blah, blah. So you get this whole sort of story that you want to tell. And you go okay, well I've got all these different different things to sort of bring into the mix. And basically you 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 put it on the pot, you kind of stir it up and you figure uh-huh. out what's in there. And then you try to string it into a story that makes sense. And the way that I I'd like to do a demo and tell the story is like really like how would it logically makes sense if I was a developer that I was going to go and do this, right? Like, uh-huh. like PJ's, we're always talking about like, you know, the, the Julia Child's chicken and the turkey in the oven, right? It's like, I did this, let me go in the oven and now here's the fully cooked chicken. Like, I don't personally like that, right? <laughs> like, I want to like build the thing end to end because right. I think it has credibility and it's more interesting and, and if something goes wrong, it's almost okay, right? Because right. people can feel that like, you're walking on the edge here, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if you can pull it off, that's awesome. And if you can't, I'm probably going to give you a pass, on the first failure, the second one maybe not, but at least you know you, you, you tried
0: right um, yeah, they had that at, in the keynote again during the um, AI or machine learning segment. Uh, Scott Hanselman wrote uh, Portland Four on the the pad. It was doing numeric recognition, right, and it pegged it as a four, and they they went, oh. Well, and one of them saying, "Well, let's try that again," and the other one saying, "Well, let's assume that it failed, and it was pretty obvious that it wasn't supposed to recognize whatever yeah, yeah, it scribbled yeah. on there." Yeah, yeah.
1: So, like for us, for this, for this <sighs> keynote, at least the like the process that that went through for Scott, and you, you can probably elaborate more on it. But from the from the demo perspective, really, it starts a couple months ago. Yeah, right, yep. we kind of talk. Like we we talk with. Um, you know scott and other people about sort of what we're trying to do with VS code and extensions and azure and uh-huh. all that stuff and we try to really present sort of the end-to-end experience from a developer perspective right cuz that's what we're going to try to build mm-hmm. and um so we kind of get on this, this sort of process of telling that story over and over again and it morphs 1800 times right and we, we iterate, we iterate, we try to get it to work, we try to get things fixed, we try to get other teams to build stuff, and it's really just this massive coordination because you're, really, you're, you're building out across all these different distinct product groups and, and bring it together as it should be if you're a customer of the product. right And there's not a lot of places where we do that except in these sort of big keynote things. Um, so it's just a lot of work to try to pull all that stuff together. And then once you kind of get the story whittled down and it's like, okay, what are the steps? And then it becomes, how long does it take? Right. Because <laughs> you have an allotted amount of time before you get, <laughs> right. people lose interest in what it is that you're doing. Um, and then it's a lot of rewriting and crying and
0: uh, <laughs> lost lost evenings of sleep. Coming on podcasts and saying, I didn't get this in the demo, but I yeah. wanted to.
1: Yeah, but those are good, right? Because those are like, okay, because of time. Right. Right? Um, it's the things that were like, no, that was wacky. Why are you trying to do
2: that? Which, which, and there's know. always and there's always more you want to put in because I think yeah. when you do demos like this, you know, you, you start off with a, you know, either a theme or a scenario, and you know, for us, I think it was it was sort of end-to-end cloud development productivity. Um, and as we as you work through the story, and you you know, you have sort of your tools and, and technologies that you're looking to work in. You know, things that, you know, we like, like Docker and serverless and things like that. But, but as you go along, you're talking to other teams and you're discovering these Mm -hmm. new things like, Oh, that, that is so cool and new. And I want to put that in there. Oh, and this thing. And, you know, some stuff doesn't fit in the story and so you can't put it in, but a lot of stuff does. So you, you end up building this, this demo that you become really, really attached to. um, and then. You know, the realities of putting it in, you know, large production like this. Like we only have so much time. We we start off the show, so there's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. for us to be on time, so don't put everyone else behind. Right. So you have to make some hard decisions, and and some stuff, you know, doesn't make it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a good process, and at the end,
1: yeah, it's why. it's a very it's a very I don't know how to describe, but the the product at the end of the day is much, much better because we're telling a cohesive end-to-end story where everybody comes at it from their thing, their passionate thing that they're building, right? It looks good in that sandbox, but you really have to step back and try to play it out across the board. And it it really pushes the way that we build the products at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, which is the right thing to have happen, right? It's a great lever for somebody to pull and go, okay, let's make sure that everything makes sense. At the end of
0: the day, you just get a bunch of
1: individual silos and nothing works together. That's
0: not good. No, that makes total sense. I mean, it's the same thing with code. I think a lot of times we get focused on the typing stuff into the text editor. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't make it to the server, then they're not going to be paying me for very much longer. Right. Right. Exactly. And and so just being aware of that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the whole process or, you know, if I'm typing enough of the wrong stuff into the text editor and I don't have a cd set up. And so it's not catching my bugs because I'm not ru- you know, because it's not running the tests or you know things like that. You mm-hmm. know, it's it, it's all part of the the code story. Yep. Yep. We're so, yeah. we're running out of time. All right. What were we gonna say?
1: No, I was gonna say is it it's you know I think we spent eight a.m. to ten p.m. last yesterday rehearsing. Yep. Yep. Every mm-hmm. conceivable scenario that could go wrong. We would make go
0: wrong and see if we could bounce back,
2: so that everything went right, but everything went right yeah. That stage. awesome. yeah, everything was real.:
0: Well, we, we appreciate all the work. Um, I hope it was fun. yeah <laughs> it was. I, I think after about an hour and a half, I was like, okay, I'm tired of this chair." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I, I just I don't sit for that long. I, I mean, I guess I do when I record podcasts, but that's it. They're pretty good chairs for a conference though. Yeah, they are. Usually with the metal folding chairs. That's true. That's true. <laughs> or the wooden ones with about a quarter inch of padding on them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> But yeah. Anyway, you, uh, I don't, I don't remember if we've had you on the show before, PJ. But we do the picks. You oh. mentioned the picks. So I remember um, what I
1: picked last year. You do remember? You don't? I picked the the pizza oven.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I still want one of those. Yeah. Anyway, PJ, I'll let you go ahead and go first with picks. Are you ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day intense workshop class for individuals or teams. They cover Angular 4 and 2, and focus on the skills and knowledge you need for complex, data-rich applications. They also still offer Angular JS for teams supporting older projects. Bring them to your site, or send developers to them in St. Louis, San Francisco, New York, D.C., and other cities, and online at angularbootcamp.com. I well, say,
2: cats is deli. <laughs> Astrami sandwich. So Strami good.
0: And rye. We went last year. Um, I went with AJ, who's on the show, and Jamie and Andrew from the iFreak show. Oh, my gosh. And I'm doing low carb now. And so I'm looking forward to going back and saying, yeah, just don't give me any bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bit, yeah. But But the meat's the good part anyway, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like, just give me a fork and a pile of meat. Yeah. It's so more good.
1: Uh, let's see. What is mine? I think I have to go along the pizza lines again. Caste? I was going to say Caste Pizza. In the West Village, we went there the other night. Great, great Neapolitan-style pie.
0: Nice. It was nice. really, really good. Of course, in Italy, they call Neapolitan-style pie just pizza. Pizza. Yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Italy for two years. and Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Where? Um, mostly in the Northeast, so around Florence and then up by Venice. Oh, Cool. That's awesome. I spent five months in Verona. Living the dream. Yeah.
1: Well, you were living the dream.
0: Yeah, I was a Mormon missionary for two years over there. So.
1: That's a pretty good place to go.
0: Yeah. Can't nice. complain. Yeah. It was wonderful. Good for you. But yeah, I'm always on the lookout for a good place. Of course, I'm low carb, so again, I just scrape the toppings off and eat those.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got to,
0: I just, once a week, I'm just going to have to buy. There you go. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> you just have to, right? Yep, yep. So uh, I'm, I've got a pick here, um, and I'm just going to go along the vein of, you know, stuff in New York. So last year was my first time in New York City, and so I just told him, look, I want to stay an extra two days, you know, I'll pay for the hotel, blah, 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 right? Um, and so when we were out and about, um, we I ran across this guy. He had a little device that was hanging around his neck that he would sell, like, you could go see any number of like, so you go see like five of like 10 or 12 things in New York city. Oh, okay. And I was like, what the heck? Right. So I bought it, you know, cause I could go see the, uh, statue of Liberty and I could go up in the uh, empire state building and stuff like that. And it turned out to be a really good deal. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't remember what it was called, but, uh, yeah, he was selling it right by the Empire State Building. And so, since I had a ticket, you know, I just went up and I think it was three things. And then it included like Ridley's Believe It or Not. And it was like 40 or 50 bucks. Mm, that's pretty tasty. And yeah. I mean, just the ferry out to the uh, Statue of Liberty and back is like 30 bucks. Yeah. So, I definitely got a deal on that and just had a blast. So, if you're coming out here, I'm betting that. You could probably find those combo type tickets online, and just just get a deal and just just do that. So,
2: or go to the Empire State Building and look for a guy.
0: Yeah, and look for a guy <laughs> with a hat. And a, I had a receipt. I swear it was like four feet long, right? And so <laughs> I'd, I'd unfold it on the counter. Yeah. Uh, yeah I yeah. think you're this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's awesome. It was a good deal, and I had a had a good good time. So good. I'm staying an extra awesome. day this this time. I don't know what I'm gonna do yet you go to the top of the One World Tower? One World World Tower. One World. Oh, that would be cool. The World
1: Trade Center. Buy your tickets in advance online; you get a little bit of a discount. Wow, that's definitely worth the trip. Cool. The elevator ride up and down is pretty wild. It's got LED screens all around it. Uh huh. Yeah. So the trip up is history.
0: The trip down is like a, a flight. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, that was the other one that I went to. So I went to the Statue of Liberty. I went to the Empire State Building, and then I went to the museum for uh, World Center. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And they have two museums, and the one of them is kind of the the bigger building, and then the other one's put together by, like, members of the family or whatever, and that was the one that I wound up going to. So it's not the big building in the middle of the plaza. It's actually a little bit over to the side, and they've got... Um, stuff from the towers and from the people and pictures of the anyway it was really 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 good
1: wow I didn't know about that so
0: I might have to go over there but anyway so yeah New York City's been a fun trip the I last two years things to do yeah alright well All right. um, the last thing that I'm going to ask is if people want to see what you guys are working on these days or if you have a blog or they can follow you on GitHub or Twitter or anything like that what, what are those handles or links? Follow at
1: code. At code. That uh-huh. is the coolest Twitter handle.
0: I know. I was having fun tweeting at code, blah, 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 at code yeah. <laughs> all morning. Uh,
1: so there's that. Um, code.visualstudio.com obviously mm-hmm. is a place to go get VS Code. And on GitHub, we're at uh, github.com, obviously, Microsoft slash VS Code. Mm-hmm. And there's our roadmap and the wiki and iteration plans are all marked in there. Everything we do is... Basically mm-hmm. out in the open. So feature requests happen on GitHub. Yes, definitely. Yep. Post an issue.
2: Awesome. And for more uh, information on Visual Studio Live Share, yes, aka slash vs live All
0: right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. It was fun. It's always fun to chat. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap this one up, and we will uh, come at you next week.